This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Good morning. Good afternoon. Right? Okay, fine. Oh, fine, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm giving credence to our people on the West Coast. They're still working with the morning time. It's a blessed Sabbath, blessed time to be here. I praise God for your pastor and this opportunity. Um, pastor Rose is being very kind and humble in saying that um, who I am. Um, the idea is birds of a feather flock together. Well, they picked up one little scavenger bird along the way and allowed me to kind of watch the flight path. And so Pastor Rose and his lovely wife have been just an inspiration from the time I met them many, many years ago. And coming in this morning, it just felt so nostalgic for a moment, just for a moment. And then automatically you start seeing faces of friends and family. I call you family now, right? Um, and so it's just a blessing to be here. I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just an honor to be here. And I'm happy to be able to spend this moment just in worship with you. I didn't come to preach a word to you. I didn't come to bring a sermon to you. I came to worship God with you. That's all I came to do this morning um, and this afternoon. So in this moment, I just want to say thank you again for allowing me to be here. It's been a long time. Um, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to um, the book of Hebrews. And if you are going to click, slide, swipe, um, tell Siri, whatever it may be, um, Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to take a look there, if we can, at verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And just wanted to share with you what was shared with me, and then we can go home. I would say I won't keep you long. I'm not going to keep you long. I just, it's not me. It's just not me. So anytime, if you feel like you've been here for too long, it's not me. It just wasn't me. It wasn't me. Well, that's Holy Ghost time, just a very different experience. Not me. Bible records, it says, and what shall I more say? Reading from the King James Version. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. I'm going to read it again. And what shall I say more? What more shall I say? For time would fail me to speak of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. I want to spend a few moments just to have a discussion with you about award season. Award season. We're praying. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. We ask now, dear Lord, that you will preach your word. Direct us, dear God, I beg you. Lead us, I pray. And dear Lord, I pray that when all is said and done, we would have seen you, O oh Jesus, high and lifted up. So I ask now, dear Lord, that you would do and commission angels, dear Lord, to beat back every evil spirit from this place. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll shut down all distractions and bind the devil both hand and foot, dear God. And I pray, dear Lord, that as you have designed for this day, that you have preached the word, dear God, that you set aside for plantation in this moment. Lord, we're looking forward to February 18th, 2023, and what meal heaven has prepared for us. So, dear Lord, feed us, I beg you. And, dear Lord, I pray that none of my words will be heard, none of my thoughts conveyed, but only that of Christ. Move me now, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. 
and amen. This is a very interesting time of year. We are looking at February, what, 2023. If you say that out loud, it seems weird because you say 2023, and for most of those of us who can date like me, um, when I say date, I'm not talking about going on dates, I'm talking about date back like me. You can remember days when you would see a television show or some sci-fi um, movie, and it would have the year was 2023, and it's kind of like, wow, ooh, ah, right? And by then, we sh were supposed to be able to float, right? Um, and just like teleport. And so the idea is that we have come a long way. And even looking at this, this month, I mean, February 18th, we're mid past the midpoint of this month. And we can already say that we have had an exhausting year. Um, the year has really caught on and has moved at um, just warp speed. And yet we are only here in February, but a lot has transpired. This time of year is very interesting because as many of you don't know yet, and you'll learn more about it um, tonight after the sun goes down, um, it is the All-Star Weekend. <laughs> I know you didn't know. You didn't know. It is. It is, right? And they started last night during your Sabbath worship. And as they started during your Sabbath worship, they usually have a little game they play there. And then as it transitions to tonight after sunset, after you finish singing Sun is Dying in the West, they will have um, certain competitions that will come on as well tonight. And you'll notice that after each of these competitions, they are each given some type of a prize or some type of an award for their performance or for the carrying out of each one of those um, particular skills or whatever it is that they're doing. You will have the slam dunk competition, for example. You have the three-point contest for some reason. They didn't call me. But anyway... They'll have all these competitions. They'll award all type of accolades as a result. Many of you may have been watching basketball um, a little while ago, and you witnessed um, LeBron James capture the NBA scoring title for the regular season, right? And if you had an opportunity to watch that, if you're not a bitter ex like me um, from Miami, you had an opportunity to kind of celebrate that moment, and you saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had already achieved that great accomplishment and he was there to kind of hand over and and say congratulations we saw uh, mr silver from the commissioner's office come over and he said congratulations they stopped the whole game and the poor other team there the little young boys they weren't even born yet when the scoring title was even established and they're there waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and eventually they you know they they say all these great things a speech is given um tnt couldn't mute fast enough and then what ends up happening is they go back and they play some more. But he was actually, you know, at that moment, he received that award. And again, it's just award season, right? Lost the game, but received the award. We won't talk about that right now. And so then you kind of transition and you notice that even, um, what was it, last week, many of you may have experienced uh, much joy and exuberance after watching the game. And then some of you, perhaps not, right? After the first half, you felt good, you felt comfortable. Felt everything was going your way, go green, and all of a sudden, things just kind of turned sideways. You thought the boy's ankle was hurt, it wasn't hurt. Next thing you know, they got the cortisone just right in the right area. Comes back, and what ends up happening, we see a, what, a fumble return for it, and then we see, right, I won't get into it, I won't get into it. But nonetheless, we saw what? Awards being handed out after the game, right? You saw trophies being handed out, you saw um, MVPs being established, and all these great things were being said and done in that moment. And again, I'm talking about award season. Even beyond that, the week before, if you had an opportunity, maybe you watched the Pro Bowl, maybe you're an NFL fan, watched the Pro Bowl, and you saw these individuals being honored for their great work and being brought into this particular game. Even um, Hall of Fame inductees were announced um, the past week as well. And then, if some of you may have had an opportunity to watch the, the Grammys, um, later on that night and you got a chance to watch the last supper um take place and then so 
Some watched it. Some watched it, right? Some watched it. And so you had an opportunity to kind of watch, um, watch these things go down, and, and you saw um, individuals being acknowledged for, you know, many uh, achievements. And so you had all types of different categories, and I think um, one individual, uh, Mrs. Knowles, I think it still knows. I'm not sure if she transitioned. I'm not sure how that went. But um, she received a, a, just the acknowledgement for having won the most Grammys of all time. I think it was a Hungarian, um, British um, individual who, who had that particular title before, and then she actually overtook him on that night. You had someone like, I think it was Viola Davis, who was able to accomplish, what is it, an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony? You got, oh, I could say that instead is what you're saying. Just say it that way. Thank you, right? And so she was able to accomplish that great feat. And you're looking at this, you're saying, man, it's like it's award season. And so even next month, we'll have the commemorating um, ceremony again, and we'll get a chance to see the slap, I mean, the, the Oscars. And you'll have a chance to see those individuals again. You'll see different awards being given for different categories. And so you see all this layout. And one of the things that is very interesting is as you see these awards being laid out, they're all different categories, right? And as you look at the categories, say to yourself, well, I know what this category is, but I'm not too sure about this one. And one of the things that we have to recognize is that in church, we oftentimes come here and we say what? What's the one thing we always kind of hear people say? You don't say it here. I know it doesn't happen here at Plantation, but I come to church not to be judged. I don't want to be judged when I come here. Don't we get that? Anyone? Anyone to say, you know, I come to church. I don't want to be judged. But the truth of the matter is, we're being judged. I mean, that's just, that's just what happens, right? And, and so some of you are thinking, well, you shouldn't be. But the Bible's very clear in the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 11, it lays out the whole case for the fact that we are being judged. But not just us, all those who passed on before us. As a matter of fact, Paul lays out the rule of law for the judging. He says it in verse 1. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? And the evidence of things not seen. And he says, that's what faith is. And he lays out the definition of how you will be what? judged, right? And then he starts breaking it down. He, starts, he said, look, um, you know, it, the elders obtained a good report. In other words, they were judged according to this first verse, and they obtained a what? A good report. And then he starts breaking it down even more, and he says, look, um, Abel, Abel obtained a, a good report. He was judged according to this rule of law, and he received it. We're talking about award season, but what I love that Paul does, Paul goes on in verse 6, and he says this very interesting thing right there in verse 6. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, he's going to judge you based upon your faith and based upon how much faith you have, it will be established whether you have pleased God. He says, whoever comes to him must come doing what? Believing. And, and so when, when you start seeing this breakdown, and, and, and so I love it. Here it is. New Living Translation says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who does what comes must do what? Come believing in him. And he says he must believe that what? God exists. And that he does what? Or he gives awards to those who do what? Sincerely, I like the other version, it says diligently. Right? And so based upon that, God says, I'm doing an analysis, I, and I have my, the award season is underway. You see, the thing about it is this. In this world, the award season rolls around at a certain time of year. And if you don't get in the running at the right time, you will not receive an award. But God says the moment you come into this world, 
He says, the moment you come into this world, I'm taking note and I'm documenting to see if you can meet this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, right? That faith, what? Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, right? Without faith is what? Impossible to please God. And by the time you wrap all that up, God says, I'm evaluating. But what I love that Paul does, Paul goes through this painstaking experience of breaking down faith. And faith heroes, we love it. We call it the hall of faith, right? We love to preach about it. We love to talk about it. What they've done of old. Oh, Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, or even Sarah, she's mentioned. And as they go through it, what I love about this is Paul breaks down Abraham's faith experience of moving when God said move, looking for a place that he had not yet seen but still moving. Watch me now, watch me now, watch me now, right? And as he's moving, the Bible says he looked for a place made whose builder and maker was God, but it said he dwelt in tents. You got to get this. Can I come over here for a moment? Come here for a second. So pathfinders, you may put a tent together, but you don't have to construct a tent with a builder and a maker. God says that Abraham lived in tents, but he looked for a city that had foundations. Watch me now. I wasn't going to hit you. I wasn't going to hit you. I wasn't going to hit you. I I did get happy. In other words, a tent does not have foundations. But Abraham was content living in the tent. See how that rhymed up? See the wordplay? And while living in the tent, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker, in other words, the one who made the materials, not Home Depot, not Lowe's. They, see, I realized something. I saw a commercial and it struck me odd. Home Depot has an open time and a closed time. You ever see the commercial? Everyone sitting in their cars waiting? Never seen it? Sitting there waiting for the store to open up, drinking coffee, waiting? Because you have a big job that day. Still dark outside. Home Depot, what, six o'clock? Is it six? Six, right? And so they, they get up, right? They get up before the birds, right? And they open their doors. You can go in and get your materials. But Paul says God does not have to check in with a hardware store to get the stuff for his city. God makes the stuff, and then he builds the stuff. Ah, I wish I had time. I, I'm jumping ahead, but I get happy, so I have to go in it. In Revelation, the Bible says in verse in chapter 21, he starts breaking down this city, and he says the city has a wall that has 12 foundations. Every foundation is made from a stone. You can't find stones in Home Depot. He says it has jasper, chrysalis, emerald, and as he begins to go through all of these stones, he started all the different stones, it said that's the foundation. I wish I had time to pray. I didn't even come to preach this one, but I have to say it. The Bible says when God finishes making this city and the walls have these 12 foundations, it says there's no sun, there's no Philip light bulb, there's no halogen, no LED. It's simply the king of kings, the lord of lords, who is a light in the city. And then it says, then it says, then it says, but the city's not complete until the people of God inhabit the city. Watch me now. And so if you and I would go into the city with the glory of God shining through us, when the world, sorry, when the universe, sorry, when the universe beyond sees the city of God, they see us shining the glory of God through every single stone in the wall, not in the floor. 
I didn't even come to preach that part. I just, I, I just love it, the, the, the image of it. Imagine us throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. You know what that means? It means that the, the time will never stop. The age will never come to an end. It says that you will see the glory of God shining through all these magnificent stones. That by the time it gets done, shining through all these 12 stones, you can't discern one color of a stone from another. I wish I had time to, ah, I want to preach that one one day, one day, one day. Paul says, Abraham was searching for this city. It says that he dwelt in a tent while relying on the promise. It says all these died in that promise. But they had expectation that one day they'll see it. I love what Paul does because Paul is writing a letter to the Hebrews. And so Paul breaks down sanctuary message. He goes through all of the old doctrines uh, so to make sure they understood these things were foreshadowing what was to come through and be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So Paul does all of that and then he gets to this chapter, chapter 11, and he says we have to have faith about all the stuff that already we've seen, right? And make sure that we keep looking with expectation of what's to come. As Paul does that, he does what people love to hear. He gives them a good breakdown and an overview of their history. Where did he learn this? Can I take a license for a moment? Do you remember a young man by the name of Stephen? Deacon Stephen. Anyone remember him, Deacon Stephen? Remember we always thought deacons could only clean the bathrooms and pick up the offering? Not here. Look, look I'm not... I don't know what the deacon board does here. I don't, I'm, only, I'm talking about up the road and around the bend. This deacon took it upon himself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and preach a message. And the message that he preached in that moment, the, the, the powerful message you find in chapter 6 of Acts and in chapter 7 you see the demise, is literally the same construct that Paul uses in Hebrews 11. He does a history lesson. And as he does a history lesson, Paul says, hey, here's our background, here's our history. And he talks about um, people like, he goes even further though, Paul doesn't just start at Abraham. Paul goes back to the old elders. Then he brings up Abel. Remember Abel? You remember Abel? Anyone? Abel? He brings up Abel. Then he brings up Enoch. And he talks about the fact that Enoch was able to be translated because of what he did what? He pleased God. Verse 6 of Hebrews says what? Without faith is what? Impossible. So Enoch, had, he's a faith hero. He pleased God. Pleased God so much that God said, I don't want you to die. I don't even want to do without you right now. I want you to come on up right now. Imagine God being so smitten by your company that he says, I want you to come right now. This is, not, this, is not, this is not just happening in the, in the latter time of Christ. We're talking about this is way back in Genesis, early days. In other words, he doesn't mind spending all that time with Enoch. You, you don't get what I'm saying. Some of us, not here. People wear on us after a while, right or wrong. Don't, don't people, do, no, anyone? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting right next to you. 
But people, God says, Enoch will not wear on me. As a matter of fact, I want to develop this relationship so much, I want you to come up with me right now. And Paul walks him through all of that, and then he gets to Abraham, and he talks about how Abraham was looking for a city, and then he goes to his wife, goes to the church, and then he circles back around, and then he comes back to Abraham and says again, Abraham is willing to offer up his son, having expectation of the promise. And then he starts walking through his son Isaac, and, and then he starts talking about jo Jacob and then Joseph. And as he goes through all of that, Paul pumps the brakes, and he gets to verse 31. And as he gets to verse 31, he says, by faith, Rahab. You, you got to get what I'm going with this. Remember, he's speaking to a group of people who don't really acknowledge the role of a woman in the church. Got one. Got one. And it had to be a woman. Like, what's, what's going on, brothers? <laughs> he's, get, he's wrapping up. And in verse 31, he says, by faith, Rahab did not perish with the others who did not believe. He said, but Rahab received the spies and saved them. And Rahab was remembered. But let me just say this. Let me say this. Let me say this because it's very important. When he talks about Rahab, he says, Rahab the harlot. I get it. Wait a second. Wait one minute. He was not condemning Rahab. He was trying to show you and me the expectation and the promise that God has over our lives as well. In other words, Jason, I'm starting with me. You have to start with you. When you preach a sermon, you can't start with other pe people. You have to start with yourself. I'm serious. When I, when I spend time in the Word of God, if, I, if I'm not spending time for me, it's just tinkling just, just a bunch of clanking, it's just noise. Jason, if I can take Rahab, who was a harlot, and I can move her into the genealogy of my holy son, if I can do that with Rahab, if I can take Rahab, who ran not just that she was a harlot, but she ran a business that was on the city wall. You know how much money Rahab had to make in Jericho days to be able to establish a building, an office building, where the office and the residents were all in, you know how they do that now? Rahab did that back then. She had an apartment on top of her office building and, and, then she, and, and she had a place of residence for her family. All the patrons, that's what we have to call them, not John, patrons. <laughs> that would come by, and she had all of that established. Back in Jericho days, when women were not allowed to do a whole lot, she found a, a niche business, and she ran it, and, and, and the Bible says that while she was doing that, she received the spies. Understand, can I say this? There are many of us who are going through a tough time. The struggle continues, right? And a lot of us are encountering some difficulties, and people will look at us, and they will believe for a moment that we enjoy doing the thing that we are doing, not realizing we are struggling with this thing and trying to find a way out. And Rahab was struggling with that thing, trying to find a way out, and God God delivered some spies to her house. 
Now, when we get to heaven, we can find out what made you go there, right? We can speak to them later. But, we'll, but right now, God is trying to live. And so he sends a word. And she says, I already heard about your God. I love it. I love it. I love it. She says, I heard about your God. I'm trying to find a way that I can save you and be saved. Everyone's scared, but I fell in love. And they tell her, and you know the story. And so in that moment, God says, I sent you to her house because I want her to be an ancestor of my son. Are you catching this? Let me say this and move on. Rahab was saved. Rahab puts out a scarlet thread to identify I need to be saved. You see, the truth of the matter is Rahab did not have a dream to be a harlot. Rahab's dream was to be a seamstress. Make some stuff. If you go up on Rahab's roof, the reason why that stuff was there, the flax and all that thread and all that good stuff, that's what she dreamed about doing. She had to pay the bills, however, down here. But when the spies went up, she was able to get some of her stuff to save them. I wish she could get this. Rahab had a dream of becoming something more than what she was experiencing right in that moment, and she was able to use her dream stuff. We have to start, can I talk to you for a moment, young people? We have to start compiling and gathering the stuff to help us fulfill our dream, so when the time comes, when the time comes to start executing that plan, we have the materials in place. It starts in your mind, and so when it was time for her to execute a plan to save the spies, she had the stuff, she had the goods, and as she pours it out, she pours it out through the window, the Bible says he will open up the windows of heaven, right? And it won't be room enough to receive it. In other words, Rahab, open your window, let the thread out. And when you let the thread out, Rahab, we'll be able to identify you from the rest. What am I getting at? You see her descendant, Jesus the Christ, when he was led to the cross, the Bible says he had on a scarlet robe. You see his great, 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 grandmama had scarlet threads. You see how that works? See how God works? See how God weaves in all of our life into one thing? Bible says while she's there, she's saved. But watch what they do. Watch what they do. She's saved based upon the oath that she made them take, but they won't accept her into the camp. Does that sound familiar? Rahab had to live outside the camp of Israel, but everywhere they went, she went. I, I love this. I love this. Many of us give up too quickly. We feel as though the church is against us. They're not really backing us. And so what ends up happening is if they're not with us, we end up saying, fine, I'll stay home. I'm not going back there. Rahab knew they didn't want her around, but she knew that God saved us. Every way they went, guess what she did? I'll stay right here. This is good. This is good. Morning. What time are you leaving? What time are we expecting the cloud? And so Rahab hung out. She hung out so much so that a man from the tribe of Judah named Salmon. Why she keep following us? Girl, stop. <laughs> you know what we do? We get weak in the, this, this is weak in the knees. This is, that's what this is. That's weak in the knees. The next thing you know, he's, Rahab gets married. And, I, and, I, and, I, and this is what always blows my mind. She had been living a life that we just talked about that made many of, many of you very uncomfortable. I, I, I used to get uncomfortable, but I don't get uncomfortable anymore because it says she was a harlot, but God converted her because only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can't convert people. 
right? Right? And, and, and sanctification is a work of a what? Of a lifetime. So Rahab had been living a life where she never conceived. Many would have thought she's cursed and barren. But God said, I'm simply reserving your womb for my purpose. After all those years of how she was living, she gets married to Salmon, and they conceive. They conceive. They conceive. Here comes Boaz. Right? Boaz comes into a family where there is what now? Generational wealth. You, you got to get this. Doesn't have to question, well, mommy and daddy, how'd you make your money? All he knows is that God converted his mother, and God is the ultimate what? Exchange currency converter. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me, right? And so not, he didn't just convert the mother. He also converted what? The currency. And so the currency that was once used for one thing has now been converted to be used for something else, and now Boaz owns lands. He's employing people, right? And then here comes Ruth, who also, just like his mother, had been married for some time and never conceived. I want to see how God does things. He's trying to, he's laying, he's laying the groundwork, right? We skipped out of the sermon for real, but we'll come back to it in a moment. He meets Ruth. He says, I notice how you treat your mother-in-law. I likes that. I can get with that. They end up getting married, but he goes to the proper channels and has the nearest kingsman reject her. And then he marries her. Boaz then becomes the father of who? Obed. Obed becomes the father of who? Jesse. And Jesse, perhaps to his chagrin, because he has seven sons that he lets pass before Samuel and leaves David out in the, in the, in the shepherd yard dealing with sheep dung. Mm-hmm. And they find, don't, do you have any other sons? Can you imagine they have a full family feast? The prophet comes over and they leave you in the, in the, out in the, sheep, the field just with the sheep. And they have to ask, do you have any other sons? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, can you, do you see what's going on? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, all right, yeah. Samuel says, send for him. We will not eat until he gets here. Quick, quick commercial. And what I'll do is we'll do the full length feature another day. Samuel shows up to Jesse's house. Samuel says, sanctify yourself and get ready for the sacrifice, for the, for the meal. They sanctify all of his sons except David. When David shows up, all David gets, he doesn't get sanctification in that moment, he gets anointing. Can I speak to you for a moment? There is not a man on this earth, there's not an experience here on this earth that is that God says restricts you from getting his presence in your life. Yes, they got sanctified. Yes, they were consecrated, but they were consecrated so they could stand in the presence of God's anointed when he showed up and when a little scruffy one shows up the Bible says he looked at me and goes oh what a fair uh, beautiful countenance a deep old mahogany beautiful child oh wow and God said this is him 
anoint him and they take out the horn of oil and pour it over David wrote about it later on in the Psalms he said it dropped down to my beard on my clothes in other words God's presence didn't just hit my crown on my head but it covered me Rahab come on now Rahab great 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 grandson but not to be stopped there Paul says we're going to pause on the history lesson. And then he goes into verse 32 and he says, because what more shall I say? What more do I have to say? If, I, if I'm talking, I wrapped up with Rahab. What more shall I say? He says, time would fail me. If I was to sit here and talk about Gideon, if I was to talk about Samson, he's going through the judges now, Jephath, and if I was to talk about uh, people like, like Barak or, or, or Samuel, also David. You see what he does? He grand, great, great, great grandmother, and then he brings up the great, great, great grandson. And don't count my greats, I think I'm off by two. And then Paul does this thing that I love. He says, there are others, talking about award season, he says they went through, they quenched the violence of fire. Are, are you with me? Fire, it said they didn't quench the fire, they quenched the violence of fire. Remember those Hebrew boys? They went into a fiery furnace, but the violence in the fire did nothing to them, but they were in the presence of God, the consuming. I used to think that consuming fire meant when God hit you, you would completely destroyed. Consuming fire means when God hits you, he consumes you. He wraps you up. He fills you till you are no more. Fill my cup, Lord. Isn't that what the song says? Fill it up, Lord, right? Fill me till I what? Want no more. Bread of heaven. And as, and as they encountered God in the furnace, they were so consumed. Nebuchadnezzar says, I thought we had three. I see four. And the fourth Never saw God. And the fourth looks like, never interviewed God. It looks like this, never got a picture of God. It looks like the son of, didn't say God, sis. He said, God, that lets me believe that when these Hebrew boys were before King Nebuchadnezzar, Azariah, Mishael, and Haniah, that they gave Nebuchadnezzar glimpses and pieces of God that when he saw the final picture, he was able to decipher. That's who I've been seeing all the... Mm. How many of us have given people enough pieces of God that when they finally see him on that great day, they can say, I saw, I didn't, yeah, brother so-and-so, I saw it, sister, so I knew it, you had it in you. <sighs> Paul says they endured being sawn asunder, talking about the prophet Isaiah. He, he, he said they, 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 they died by sword, talking about James, perhaps John's brother. He said that they, they endured uh, lions and, and, and talking about perhaps Daniel and, and Darius and that wonderful experience that they had together. And, and he says, as you go through all of these floggings and jeerings and all these things they had to endure, each one of them received an award. God's award season, it starts for the moment you're born. But what gets me is this. 
we don't necessarily recognize that when God is issuing out or, 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 or judging us for our awards, that it's everything we do by his grace. I gave this example earlier. My son was in school in primary. He was three years old, and I didn't realize that they were watching everything. And so one of the things that were on, was on his assessment report card, whatever you want to call it, was how did he go up and down steps? Okay, A, right? But what they're doing is they, they, they want to see if he goes on the steps. If he does that, he fails. In my terms. They want to know if he's able to go up and down the steps like this. They're looking for physical development. So if you're doing this, you're still trying to stabilize yourself and get your balance. But if you're going up and down one at a time, you got to the place where your body's now developed. You go up and down the steps without having to kind of judge your next step. Everything, they were watching it. I didn't realize until I read the report. God lets us know, Paul's writing, they're watching everything. Paul says, it's award season. Now, real quick, and I'm gonna, we're gonna move. I need to move when you wrap up. Chapter 11, chapter 12, they are not separate. The issue is when it was translated, it was broken down into chapters. But if you read it, it you read it, it's in symmetry. As Paul goes through the history lesson, as he goes through applying it to, to, to giving you the, the, the definition of faith, as he gives you each individual to apply it to as well, he begins to break down. As he gets to the end, he says this beautiful thing. It goes into chapter 12. He says, wherefore? New Living Translation says, therefore. Now, now, I want you to understand, as he gives all the facts and he gives his analysis, he breaks it all down. Paul now says, you know what I need to do? I need to just get a, a clause that kind of wraps everything up for you. Paul is not giving this example or this history lesson just for you to read and understand what they did of old. Paul's speaking to us in today's time. And so let me just, I, I'll liken it to this. Oftentimes people go to court and they'll file a motion or a petition. Have you ever heard of that before? Like a motion or a petition. They want some kind of relief. They want the judge to do something. They want the court to do something. They're trying to, by a motion, motion they're trying to move the court in, their, um, in the direction they want them to go. And so at the end of that document, there is something that is called a wherefore clause. Are you with me? Right? A wherefore clause. The wherefore clause, it states exactly what you want. It walks you through. It says, look, I, I, here's, what I want, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I, da, 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 da. I, I want you to apply all these facts. And then at the end of it, if you didn't get anything else I said, the wherefore clause wraps it all up. Wherefore, I want you to go ahead and give me the money as a result of whatever happened. Wherefore, I want you to give me this relief from having to give the money for whatever the reason may be. Paul wraps up in chapter 12. He begins to say, you know what? Regardless of anything, if you miss everything else, here's my wherefore clause. And Paul begins to liken it to a coliseum of old. He says, wherefore, seeing we are surrounded or compassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. He's saying, if you look up from a coliseum, you cannot make out one face from another. You can't discern. You just know that there are people who are gathered around. Looks like a huge cloud. Paul says, if you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, those who have gone on before you, the Abels, if you will, the Abrahams, the, 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 the Joshua's and, 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 and Rahab, if you go through all those individuals who've gone on before us, he says, let us therefore do what? 
set aside every weight, every burden, every obstacle that so easily besets us. Why? Because we need to run this race that is set before us with patience. I love what Paul does. Now let's get back to the award season. Understand, every time you watch the awards, they always have, they always have these pre-show, right? The little pre-show things. And people are walking up and they get out of their little limousines and their little fancy automobiles, right? That they rented for the day. And as they get out, um, they get out and they always, they're, they're, they're adorned and, and they're wearing some beautiful garment. And it never fails. The question is always, who are you wearing? Right or wrong? Do you ever hear that? Who, who are you wearing? Right? And so as they say, who are you wearing? People, oh, this is Christian Dior. This is um, just, uh, just, it was made especially for me for tonight. Oh, oh this is Versace. Oh, this, this is, oh, this is a little, this is a little Gucci. I just, and, and, and what kind of shoes? Oh, these are Salvatore Ferragamos that just, you know, I just, they, they made them just for me for tonight. And as they go through every single gown, every suit, every uh, flamboyant design, Everyone has a name attributed to what they're wearing, and they stop, they pose for photos, they want to be asked what they're wearing because they want to be able to steal the night and have that glamour ascribed to them, and the designer loves it because the designer's name is said over and over again. And if that individual ends up winning something that night, it's even better because they remember not just the individual who won, but they'll remember the designer. And so is the case, as Paul says, let's set aside every single weight that so easily besets us. It's likened to a runway. Anyone ever been a, a model? Don't raise your hand. I see it. I see it. Honestly, I see it. When you're a model, you have to learn how to walk what? On the runway. Right? You're on the runway. And so as you're walking on the runway as a model, the beautiful thing is as you're walking, people are looking at you, but they're looking at what you're wearing more so and how you're wearing it. Paul says, let's run this race with patience. In other words, run it till you finish it. Isaiah chapter 61. He talks about being covered in a robe of righteousness. And so as we're running into our award season, it says that in Psalms chapter 1, it says that the tree is planted beside the waters and it brings forth fruit in its season. It's award season. So as people look at you and you're going through your difficulty, they're going to ask you, what are you wearing? Oh, this, this design is by the advocate. Oh, oh. What, who, who, designed, who designed your gown? Oh, this? Chief Cornerstone. Yes. Where, 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 where'd you get that from? Oh, this? This was designed by the wheel in the window of a wheel. This? Oh, this was designed by the lily of the valley. This was designed by Wonderful. This was designed by the Rose of Sharon. This was designed by Counselor. This? Who designed you? Who, 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 who did your hair? Oh, this? It's a crown of righteousness. Paul says, I have one, Timothy, but not just me. There's one laid up for everyone who does what? Endures to the end. I finished my course. I ran my race. Award season. 
Now, I said something that was probably troubling to many people. I said everything. You're judged. It's a book of remembrance. It's documented. And I know that's uncomfortable because you start thinking about the stuff you did that you shouldn't have done. But what I love is when it talks about David, when it talks about Samson, it's not saying that they overcame. And, but remember Delilah. It's not saying remember that David called for a census and didn't necessarily raise his children away or discipline them as they should. It doesn't say that. It simply talks about overthrowing and subduing kingdoms. Having faith in God, even at the very end, saying, Lord, remember me even this once and conquering more in your death than you did while you were living. It's talking about not Gideon being faithless and, and worrying how we're going to win, but Gideon going out in the strength of God with his 300 and watching God do what he does. I was playing soccer with my children this week. And just so you know, ah boy, I say don't judge me, but I just said we judge each other, so fine, judge me. We have a great time playing games in my home until it gets to the end where you have to determine who the winner is. Now many of you may look at me and say, I can't believe you're that type of father. But I don't ease up. I don't let them win. Because for me, it's about being able to brag later on. <laughs> when they get older and I'm too decrepit to do anything, but you remember when I used to beat you though, right? I do, I, I, but no, that, that, that's, but more importantly, it's a life lesson. Because no one else in life is going to ease up and let them win. And so you need to learn how to deal with disappointment at six years of age and at eight years of age. So I set up in the backyard for them to play soccer and I'm done. That's all I want to do to set up and I'm trying to leave. And my son, the oldest one, comes up with a soccer ball and he kicks it in the goal. Good shot, son. Great shot. That was wonderful. And my wife is out there and I'm trying to leave. He kicks another one. Oh, you got me. That was a good one. I was standing there, but I couldn't block it. That was a good shot. Good shot. Good job, son. I'm trying to leave, Cliff. And he kicks another one in. And I feel as though he's trying me now. He wants to, he's, he, he's, ha. And, 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 he, and he, then he says this thing. <laughs> that left leg got you. <laughs> Moi. And so I start studying him now and I'm trying to wait and anticipate. And, and so now we've turned into a full-fledged game. Him and his little brother gets me and my wife. It's getting tense now. You know it's getting tense when they start making up new rules. <laughs> corner kick. What? Yeah, you kicked it out. Corner. I didn't, but I didn't kick it. You kicked it out. I know, but it's corner kick. It's on that side of the field. We end up winning the game. They are distraught. It's distraught. I mean, they're not crying yet, my brother. But you know that moment right before you, you cry? That, right, that moment right before, you didn't, daddy, 
all of a sudden now you want to have a comment, Daddy? I'm just saying that we sh- you shouldn't have <sighs> breathing heavy. I'm wrapping up, trying to go. I want to go quickly. So we couldn't talk about it that same night. Last night, he said something to me, and I said to him, "Son, do you want me to let you in?" I wasn't going to do it, just so we we're all on the same. I was not going to do it. I just wanted to hear what he wanted to say. And he says to me, "No." I said, "Why?" You know what he said to me, Ashley? I want to earn the win. And I explained to him that it's tough. But I wanted to see what he was built, what he was built of. You know, I wanted to know exactly how deep that competitive spirit, because if you just have things handed to you, that doesn't build character. But there's something about enduring and taking the pain and the punishment plantation there's an award season it's underway it's underway it's underway watch this and I'm gonna let you go maybe years ago I was in elementary school and it was the same day they were having an an awards assembly but this one was for the parents to come and watch their children get the awards for the year I was in sixth grade that same day that same night my sister was graduating from high school and she came with me today so I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this to you publicly I was 12 years of age and I didn't have a good grasp on the magnitude of what she was getting ready to encounter and so I told my parents, well, they're having an award ceremony at school, and so I, I, I want you, you know, someone has to come. And Angela, my dad said, okay, my mom and dad, they said, okay, what's going to happen is my dad will go with me, and my mom will go with my sister, and then we'll leave my award ceremony early to get to her graduation on time. It's right down the street. I didn't understand, sis, and so had I known what I know now, I would have skipped my award ceremony for a couple of reasons. Reason number one, we sat there, I sat next to my father, and I listened to them call out every child's name it felt like from my whole grade. Anyone have that experience? They did not call mine. No, not once. Now, you should know better, because you're supposed to know what kind of grades you have and what kind of student you are ahead of time. And I should have wrapped all that around my mind and said, you know what, daddy, it ain't not don't even go. We, we love, we love, we, Let's go to sister's graduation. That's where the family should be. I should have done right. I should have. I, I, I'm, I'm advocating because I, I want to be there. But I went to this ceremony. They didn't say my name once. They didn't even stutter my name. They didn't, they didn't even make a mistake. Um, this is the world's going to go to j- 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 oh, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, come on up. They, they didn't, it didn't even happen. It didn't even happen. And we left. And my dad didn't say a word in that moment. But I felt just like, boom. Nothing. We left, we go to the graduation. And again, I apologize because had I known better, I would have done better. But it wasn't until the weekend hit, go to school on Monday, and apparently we left just before they called my name. Don't say a word, don't say a word until you know what it's about. They called my name and I received 
an award for perfect attendance. Not the citizenship award, not honor roll. I mean, I, all right, I get it. Perfect attendance, my brother. That was me. Came home with that piece of paper. You know what that paper represents? It represents I was always in the fight. At the time, I didn't get it. Travis won everything. Yeah, Travis, hope you're watching. He won everything it felt like. But I was always in the fight. My parents did not allow me to stay home for anything. Remember those days? I don't, I don't feel too well, mommy. I can't even walk. That's all right. Put your shoes, put your clothes, shoe, um, school shoes on. Let's, let's go. Mommy, I feel hot. I'm not sure if I can stand for too long. That's all right. Have a seat in class. Go, go, come on, go. Get your. Never miss a day. And what they didn't realize at that little school is that they taught me something about life. Never miss a day. So, it's a few years ago, and we're closing. You can, you can keep playing. I know your fingers are probably getting tired. We are, my wife and I are watching the Golden State Warriors about to win and eclipse the Chicago Bulls and win 73 games. We're watching that game and I never, ever liked Kobe Bryant. Just didn't like him. Nope. His first year in the league, I was happy he airballed those two free throws. I thought he was too cocky. I know, my brother, you're looking at me strange and you're, you're upset right now, but I'm, I'm gonna fix it in a minute. I'll fix it in a minute. I never liked it. Never liked them. Waved away the pick. What are you doing? It's an all-star game. Take the pick. And all of his career, I watched him play live when he came to Miami. I always knew he, had, he could play. The boy could, he, he's a, he could play. But it wasn't until the last game, I'm watching the Golden State Warriors and I flip the channel and the Lakers are playing. It's the last game, Kobe's announced his retirement. It's over. Can't stand him. But now I'm watching him play. <clears throat> Hate you. I really enjoy the little baby face assassin. So I wanted to watch him play, but something captivated me with Kobe. He was drenched in sweat. And they kept saying, go for 30. Go for 40. Then he kept scoring it, go for 50. And then he said, go for 60. And, and I watched him and I told my wife, I said, he's gonna get it, watch. Because I knew the kind of player that he was, the work ethic. Never missed a day. And I watched him at the free throw line. And he's standing there and his body is wet and almost shaking, Cliff. He has sweat pouring from his legs. It was almost like I was watching on your, the high definition stuff you guys have here to see every blemish. <laughs> and 
as you could watch the beads of sweat drip from his legs and I'm looking at him I'm looking at him go through what he has been doing for over 20 years the same repetition the muscle memory is kicking in now and I watched and I told my wife before she I said watch all net he's not gonna miss but it's hard to make a free throw when your body is shot and you're tired and you're weak any little movement can throw that shot off but I looked at him I said he's gonna make him and sure enough the first one goes in clean Shush. last free throw this is the same Kobe Bryant who ruptured his Achilles and shot his free throws and walked off the court on his own strength I watched him shoot the last free throw clean Swish. and I turned to my wife and I said I'm gonna miss him but there's nothing like seeing someone who's willing to fight for what they want Sometime later, after his death, I watched a little bit of a recap of the Redeem team when he played for the Olympics. All these boys went out partying one night, and they come in early the next morning, the basketball team, and they see Kobe Bryant with his workout gear on, standing by the elevator with a gym bag. Like, where are you going? Going to work out. And they looked at him strange. It was the last game against Spain, and it was the last few moments of the game. U.S. needed a bucket. They needed someone to step up. And Kobe Bryant says these words in the interview. He says, in that moment, that's what I trained for. He said, I knew, watch this, that I had done more work than everyone else out on the court. I want you to get this. He's not saying the other team alone. He's also including his own team. He says, I've done more work than everyone else on the court for this moment. As sure as he said it, it's as sure as he did it. He went out there and secured the gold medal and they awarded it to the whole team. I simply stopped by today to remind us that in this award season don't take a day off don't relax and hope somebody else would do it for you do more work than anyone else could ever imagine so you can endure to the end verse 2 says in Hebrews chapter 12 look to Jesus he's the author and finisher of the very thing that God says pleases him keep your eyes fixed on him so today praise him are you gonna sing now I'm gonna have them sing or ask them to sing can't have them do anything and after they finish this song we're going to just have a word of prayer we're going to close but while they're singing if there's anyone here who says Lord I, I want you to give me the grace sufficient to keep on fighting to know that every step I take has been organized and orchestrated and even if I slip from time to time you're trying to see me through to the end if that's your desire to say Lord I want to be saved when you come again I want to receive that award 
I'm going to invite you to stand after they pray, after they sing for our closing prayer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is our God. We've been 
we close. I know the praise team asked you to stand, and so you stood up. But if it's your desire to ask, Lord, that you want to ensure that you receive that award, just make a commitment in your heart for that day. Revelation says that we're going to receive a white stone with a new name written in it. What blows my mind is that even though you've never heard that name before, when heaven said, and the award goes to, and they call that name in that stone, something about your journey, something about your experience, something about your struggle is going to resonate with that name. You will know that they're talking to you. Isn't that powerful? That graves will open up based upon the struggle that each person has. God has not just created an envelope for someone to read who can't pronounce your name. He has written your name in a white stone that heaven has your pronunciation just right. And when you hear it, you'll know that's me. If it's your desire to hear your name on that day, to receive your award, let's make a commitment to not let one day go by where we don't keep on fighting, where we just don't keep on just trying and pressing and pushing. For as the song said, we will recover all. We're praying, Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Lord, we appreciate your word. We appreciate, dear Lord, the letter that was written to people days of old, dear Lord, that is a lively, a living word, dear Lord, for us today. We thank you, dear God, for teaching us more about faith through those examples, dear God. And as we, dear Lord, are living today, the Bible says they are watching us, dear Lord. There are those who have gone on and been translated, dear Father. Those who have been resurrected, dear Lord. Those trophies that were taken up with Christ, dear God, they are watching, dear Elijah, dear Lord, and Enoch, dear Father, Moses, dear They are watching us, dear God. As we endure in 2023, they are watching, dear Lord, with bated breath, dear Father, as they see our Savior interceding on our behalf. Dear God, may we not let go now, dear God, knowing that we are running, may we run with patience. May we endure, dear God, to the end. May we have a conviction, dear Lord, knowing there's a crown laid up for us. Help us to wear you, Jesus, wherever we go. It may not be, dear Lord, Dior. It may not be Chanel, dear Lord. But, but we do know, dear Lord, it's one who can walk on water. It's one, dear Lord, who turns water into wine. It is he, oh Lord, who was on a cross and was crucified for us. Where the blood flowed, dear Lord, it covered a multitude of sins. Jesus, we are wearing you and we ask you, oh Lord, keep us covered in these days. We thank you so very much. And not just us, dear Lord, but our families, spouses, children, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, friends, dear Lord, enemies, dear God, we need you, we need you, oh Lord, we need you. Cover us, I pray, save us, oh Lord, and in this season, award us, I beg you, with the benefits that were secured by the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Award us, O oh Lord, with eternal life, that we may spend all, dear Lord, every waking moment in your awesome presence. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Have a happy Sabbath. Have a happy Sabbath, church family.
This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.